the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. Hey, everybody. Here we are. Uh, favorite things about Christmas time. Favorite things about Christmas. I have a few to share. Yeah, well, my favorite thing about Christmas is pondering the astounding mystery that Mary's womb became the bridal chamber where the marriage between heaven and earth is consummated. Mm. That is a constant source of wonder and amazement to me. And I wish the lights and the presents and the Christmas tree and all that were intimately connected in my mind and heart with that. Mm-hmm. But I need to still do some work there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's it's Christmas the holiday has kind of become something different in my mind than Christmas the mystery, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Uh-huh. You know, maybe it's from childhood, you know, you get caught up with the presents and mm-hmm. the, the whole association of smelling the Christmas tree is not so much about smelling the mystery of Mary's. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Jesus is coming in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more about, oh, I might get a Darth Vader doll <laughs> this year or a new lightsaber right. or something. You right, know? but there is something there, you know, the the beauty of lights and yes, the darkness. Yes, absolutely, there is. Absolutely. It's all connected. It's supposed to be anyway. It just yeah. It got ruptured somewhere in my soul, I and I'm still you. working on reconnecting it. Okay. How about you? Well, I like, the, I like the things you brought up, lights and smells. I think I can kind of take both of those in my journey to the stable in Bethlehem, a uh, place of miraculous lights and, you know, unique, beautiful smells, beautiful in their own earthy, wonderful way. Right. Um, I think for me, I'm just, I really enjoy singing and I like that there's kind of such a tradition of singing at Christmas time. That really is a great blessing to me and always has been. Yeah, I, I do. The the Christmas songs, the Christmas hymns that mm-hmm. really proclaim the mystery of the incarnation speak to me deeply. Yeah. Uh, not so much the red Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and such, but... <laughs> But wait a minute. You do like some things sure. about Rudolph the Red-Nosed well, Reindeer, oh, too. I, well, yeah, that got... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes, I have to admit, uh, Rudolph and Clarice sometimes show up in my prayer life. Yes. That whole scene. Where <laughs> it's funny how these things get ingrained in your childhood yeah. soul. You know, Rudolph, uh, Clarice said Rudolph is cute and he goes berserk and learns to fly. Yes. That has showed up in <laughs> in my interior journey on, on more than one occasion. Yeah. There's the, the yearning to be seen, uh-huh. right? And how it does. It kind of gives you wings. Heart. Sure yeah. does. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Do you have anything to update us on from Yeah, there's the some Institute. things going on, things to be aware of that are coming up. We have a TOB Level 1 course that you'll be coming with me to, mm-hmm. I hope. Right? Is that right? In, yeah, in February. In February in Florida. So if you want to get to a warm part of the country, we have a course in, or- in Orlando the first week of, first full week of February, I think. And that we'll have a link for also in the show notes. And we welcome the prayers of our listeners. Just as you know, these things that are going on in the Institute, we always appreciate Yes, please do be praying. And and for those who aren't able to travel to the USA, I'll say this. We do have an online TOB1 
coming at the end of January. Mm. So you can take it in the comfort of your own home. Awesome. Learn more about that also by clicking the link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you from a listener named Allison. Hello, Allison. Allison says, hi there. I have a personal question for you. Can you each tell the story of how you knew each other was, quote, the one? Mm. She goes on to say, you have a beautiful marriage, and I love listening to your podcast. Oh, thanks, Allison. I I love this story, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to share it. Yes. How we knew the other was the one. Well, we had a friendship that really helped us a lot. We We had that as our foundation. We mm-hmm. weren't you know, instantly romantic. It wasn't a blind date where there are kind of expectations, you know, on the situation. We had a very relaxed atmosphere in our college years of getting to know one another through a uh, Christian fellowship group that met on Friday nights. And that was over about a three-year period where we were Mm -hmm. friends and getting to know one another. And so a lot of a lot of some of the basics were already answered. Like, I knew you had a strong faith. That mm-hmm. was very important to me. And you knew I had a strong yeah. faith. That was important to you. Um, but what what the, what the happened and what developed in our relationship, some people think happened really quickly because our first date was in March of 95. And I proposed to you six or seven weeks after that. Yeah in early May. And that does seem rather quick. But I, I think what helped with that was the the foundation of our of yeah. our friendship. And I would say I knew I've written about this in various books. Uh, <laughs> I knew you were the one when I what what unfolded for me was how you loved people. Mm-hmm. You had this ability to love people that just ignited my heart. I remember going with you. You'll certainly remember you took me when I first came to visit you. You were living in New Jersey Mm -hmm. after you graduated college. And I I came to visit you. And one of the things that was most important for you was to take me to see your great grandmother. Yeah. Who was how old at the time? Hundred and five. Hundred and five. Yeah. She lived in a nursing home. In a nursing home. And I was impressed that that was so important to you to take me to see her. Mm-hmm. And when we went to see her, I remember it made a big impression on me. We're walking through the nursing home, and I hadn't been in a nursing home since my own great-grandmother died in the 70s. Right. And I wasn't familiar or comfortable with being around old people and the not-so-pleasant smells of a nursing home. Right. And, and I remember walking in there and my, my shoulders got a little tense and I felt a little uncomfort- uncomfortable, but you were smiling at the people we passed in the hallway and even bending down every once in a while to say hello and look someone in the eyes. And Then we walked into your grand- great-grandmother's room and she was blind and could barely hear, so she didn't even know I was there. And you asked me not to make myself known right? because uh, you didn't want her to... to feel uncomfortable or right that was actually my grandmother said that i shouldn't tell her so it was her daughter who told me yeah so i was kind of just a fly on the wall as you did your typical routine of pulling out your guitar and singing to your great grandmother and i sat in that chair and i watched you loving this woman 
And I just felt this love flowing out of your heart. And I felt so privileged to be the man in your life and to have that genuine, sincere love flowing towards me as well. That was one of the initial wake-ups that I thought to myself, how could I possibly let go of this woman mm -hmm. who knows how to love? And then there was another experience of the disinterestedness of your love for me. And it's a kind of a long story. I can't get into all the details for our listeners. You can read about it in, I think I write about this in Fill These Hearts and in my book, uh, Love is Patient, But I'm Not, where uh, I had been interested in this girl named Laura, who was part of this Christian fellowship group mm -hmm. we were involved in. And during the three years that we were friends, I had come to learn you were hoping and praying one day I would be your husband. But I, during that very same time, was interested in somebody else. And we're at the point in our relationship where you wanted to learn more about this interest I had in this other person. And I was like, I don't want to tell you because I, I, I think you're going to be catty and jealous and it's going to make you upset. And you kind of insisted. So I told you more. And it was a really heartbreaking experience for me. And I remember we were on the phone. And at the end of that conversation of my sharing with you what had happened with this other girl, you you kind of were choked up on the other end of the phone. And I thought, I knew it. I knew it. She was just going to get upset. But you were upset because of you were because you were learning how much pain that caused me. Mm -hmm. And then you went on to tell me the story of how you had observed that this girl and I had an interest for one another, but you had also observed that we never really had a, a relationship. And you, you started praying that she and I would get together because you felt there was some force keeping us apart, right. namely her father. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I couldn't believe that during the same time that you were hoping and praying I would be your husband, you were actually observant of my interest in this other person, and you could tell there was some force mm -hmm. keeping us apart, and you were praying that whatever that force was would be removed so she and I could have a relationship. And I remember saying, what? Why were What? Why you why why were you why were you praying for me to have this relationship with the other person? And you said there was a line in a song that you wrote that said, "Love is not self-satisfaction. Love means you lay down your life." And I I listened to your music, and really that went into my heart so much. How can I lay down my life for this person whom I love, but love as a friend? Because I knew that was the nature of our relationship and. And praying for your good and for God's will for your life was the answer, I felt. And I remember thinking, yeah, well, that was a lyric I wrote in a song. And yeah, it's a nice ideal, but nobody really, really lives it. I mean, it's just kind of a <laughs> thing you say. But oh, my gosh, I was experiencing genuine love flowing from your heart for me. Disinterested tenderness is what John Paul II calls mm -hmm. that. Disinterested tenderness. Not that you're not interested in the person, but you're interested in a not a selfish way. Mm -hmm. And that love that flowed out of your heart reached into my heart and i i remember thinking i want to spend my whole life with you cuz i i need i need to know that love in my life i had not known that love in my life and it was it just drew me just drew me right into to, to you it drew me mm -hmm. into wanting to give my life to you so thanks for that wendy Hey, Allison, thanks for asking that question. I feel really blessed that you just inspired my husband to share those great stories. <laughs> I enjoy hearing And I, them. 25 years later, <laughs> I can look back and say, I was right. You were the one. Uh, yes. With all the Thank trials you. we've been through and <laughs> sorrows and sufferings, 
the 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 trajectory is joy and glory and mm -hmm. i was not wrong to say this is the one i want to give my life to that yeah. has been confirmed for me over and over and over again and i know for me as i think back over that whole experience both of our friendship and our dating one of the things and you talked about the foundation of faith but which is which was really important to me um and i mean crucial i would say crucial yeah. because there was a, somebody else that i had been interested in on and off and and with whom i didn't have that foundation of faith and really actually another song that you wrote that really? i listened to uh, do i know the story <laughs> i think keep you going do. i'm not remembering it um yeah it started Lord, I gave my heart away again. I don't remember oh, the yeah, title yeah. of the song. Uh, really helped me to like recognize that this other guy I was interested in didn't have, really didn't have what I needed in in a husband, and it would just be dumb to mess around with his heart only to break up with him because yeah. he's not, you know, who what the Lord has in you know in the plan for my heart. Um, and so uh, that sense, not just of the essential for me that we shared that faith, but also things that you said and shared really helped me to grow in my faith. Like I had a lot to learn. I had just like anybody on the journey, you know, we have like things we face and we don't know how to apply our faith to this situation. And just in our friendship, things that you would share were helping me to grow closer to the Lord and that to grow in trust in him and to grow in my understanding of ideas like receptivity and, and being the creature mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, the nature of God's life as gift to me um, and not grasping. So all like things like that were really speaking to me in my journey and that sense of wanting to continue to grow in faith together was a big deal. I also just thought you were really funny and fun. <laughs> and I like that you like to eat off other people's plates and other silly things that, you know, have nothing to do with any kind of master list, but just, yeah. they just drew me to feel comfortable and happy with you. Um, when we were finally discerning like marriage, I think by that point we had also found that we were able to share deep things from our our story yes. our past our struggles with one another and be received experience grace through that sharing that was really um exciting but also kind of a little i don't know almost frightening if it weren't for the lord mm, leading us yes and That's, yeah I, that, I remember feeling that yeah so i think all of that all of that's in there and it's not not any formula that anybody can say, okay, so I'll do what they did, but it is our story. And I know the Lord was, you know, taking us the next step on our journey. Each of our journey had, you know, with him had begun separately and had, you know, come together through friendship. And then it just became clear that the next steps of both our lives were together. I have a, a question for you from a listener named Ellie. Hi, Ellie. She says, hi, Wendy and Christopher. In your opinion, what is a normal age to start dating? I'm wondering, because I think many people rush into relationships when they're too immature to be discerning marriage. 
but sometimes it is important to have learning experiences and allow feelings to be expressed, especially when you're young. I don't want to be set up for heartbreak, but I also don't want to live in fear. What are your thoughts on this? Wow. Ellie's a thinker. Yeah. She's she's kind of answering her own question there, it <laughs> seems to me. She's covering some very important bases. Mm-hmm. And I think here, Ellie, there are two extremes to avoid. One would be the extreme of, well, you can't go out on a date until you're ready to get married. That That's an extreme. Uh, the other extreme would be, it doesn't matter. Age has nothing to do with it. Go out, follow your hormones, do whatever they tell you. That would be another extreme. Mm-hmm. So too stringent on the one hand or too mm-hmm. rigid and no structure on the other. Those would be two extremes to avoid. And we're back also to the question uh, and the reality of the uniqueness and unrepeatability of each person. Mm-hmm. You can't just have a across-the-board policy that, uh, well, you can't date until you're 18. Mm-hmm. or 17 or 16 or 15, because you could very well have somebody who's reached that age and is still not in a mature enough place to mm. to to date. Or you could have someone who is in a mature enough place to date prior to that, reaching that right. whatever age you set as, as the limit. So you have to look at it on a, on a case-by-case basis. And I think also there has to be... Uh, or put it this way, I would be very concerned for anyone who got kind of kicked out into the world of of relating and opposite sex relationships and dating if they didn't have a, a foundation in what is God's plan for making us man and woman in the first place. That's so true. You know, it's not just about age. Yeah. But what are you, what What's do your you formation? understand about um, God's plan and... And what are your expectations, hopes? Yeah. I remember getting a a little, well, not a little. (laughs) There was more than a little anger here. There was a a resentment that I felt towards my parents. God loved them. They gave me what they had to give, but they didn't have much to give in this department, and they'd be the first to admit that. But my my resentment came from the fact that they, I was in a um, dating relationship uh, for four years as a teenager, from the age of 16 to the age of 20. And my parents rightly had concerns, mm-hmm. and they understandably were were looking to put all kinds of restrictions on how often I got to see my girlfriend and how much time we were spending together. But the the resentment came from the fact that they were demanding chastity of me they really didn't help me to enter into what chastity is. Mm -hmm. And my analogy here is like they were demanding of me that I be a a great pianist, but they never gave me piano lessons. Mm. Uh, And and then they would be mad at me for not knowing how to play the piano. Mm. (laughs) And, you know, these kind of questions, how, how, when's the right time to start dating as well? Are you able to at least sound out Mary had a little lamb on the piano. You know, you, you need some you need some ability to make beautiful music with the gift of your sexuality, mm-hmm. with the gift of your desires and your attractions. You have have to have shown some ability to direct your passions and desires towards the good of the other person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a, a marker for me of of a maturity that allows 
mm-hmm. one to say this person would be ready to 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 go out there and learn how to love, learn how to date, learn how to interact with the opposite sex. Um, but also here, there's there's, and I'm speaking here as a parent, that our one of our kind of uh, anthems in our parenthood has been wanting to honor and respect the freedom of our children. That doesn't mean if they're walking across the street at age two that you let them get hit by a truck because you're respecting their freedom. It doesn't mean when they're 14 that you you let them have a computer in their room without any restrictions because you respect their freedom. But it, it means training your children's freedom in the direction of, of learning how to use your freedom in the right way, to make beautiful music, to go back to that metaphor. So there, there are all kinds of, of things here that come into play, and, and in, a, in a short answer on a podcast, we can't get yeah. into to all of that. But I hope we're painting a, a picture for you, Ellie, that, that is helpful. I agreed with you. I really liked some of the ways that Ellie had reflected on uh, some of these things, like seeing that very, you know, when you're immature, you end up really kind of regretting things that, you know, you thought dating was going to be one thing and it turned out to be another thing. And instead of bringing happiness, it can bring pain. So um, I think that's really good observation and instinct to not just, um, you know, jump into things that that we can just look around and kind of notice i don't think this typically turns out well it doesn't usually turn out like the like the happy ending of a movie if there is such a thing right um so that's a good thing to have caution about um and yet there does not mean that a boy and a girl can't have a close friendship and you know especially if they just expect it to be mostly like their other friendships with maybe something extra special, but it, you know, at a younger age that, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't, um, become obsessive. I can imagine that I didn't actually experience it myself, but I can imagine that that's a possibility for a younger couple. Um, and then Ellie also commented about, we need to have learning experiences. We need to express our feelings. Like sometimes those feelings are just kind of, overwhelming i do recommend you know caution in sharing too many feelings with the person you're having the feelings for you could that's one of those like vulnerable times as a younger person maybe writing in a journal or talking to someone you trust not to share it with the person is is the first step toward processing those feelings um as you as you just I think it's so good to have self-knowledge, to have people you can talk to about your relationships that you trust. Um, And as you grow, I I love this, that you said you don't want to be set up for heartbreak, but you don't want to live in fear, Ellie. I think that's beautiful. Um, I think there's a a way to continually keep your heart open to the Lord where he can just give you the gift of wisdom and discernment and we often need that. I, I remember um, needing after my as my first dating relationship that I had was coming to an end, I needed the wisdom of someone who said to me, it's not a sin to hurt someone's feelings mm-hmm. because I knew that I, in my heart I wanted to break up with this guy. And yet 
I was so afraid of how disappointed he would be because he wasn't wanting to break up with me. Um, and that that was wisdom that 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 I don't have to be afraid of that. If if I'm trusting and following the Lord, even though it will be painful, right. it wasn't just painful for him. It was painful for me, too. Um, but that that wasn't didn't mean it wasn't God's will for us to not continue our relationship. And so I, I don't know if that's also helpful. I'll share one thing from my experience as an adult looking back on my teenage years mm -hmm. and not having healthy dating relationships. Not that there weren't good elements in the dating relationships I had, but there was a lot of unhealthiness as well. As an adult, I've had to look back at those and bring those memories to the Lord and say, uh, Lord, shine your light on what happened here. And what happened inevitably was that I was directing my eros, E-R-O-S, that, that passion, that longing for love, for union, which is really at its most fundamental level, it is a desire for love and union that can only be fulfilled in relationship with the Lord. And I was aiming that at teenage girls mm -hmm. and putting a pressure on them to be something for me that no human being can possibly be. And you, you made the comment about commenting on Ellie saying, I want to express my feelings about journaling. That is a great place to get out those feelings. And if you, if you are in a relationship with the Lord, I hope you are, that you would be able to put those feelings out say, Lord, I'm so attracted to this person, and here's why. Mm -hmm. Lord, show me the meaning of this, and, and show me how to open my heart to you. Show me how to direct this longing and passion I feel in my heart, in my body. Show me how to open that to you. That's prayer. Uh, the fathers of the church tell us that prayer is nothing but becoming a longing for God. I wish I had known that. I wish somebody had taught me that that what I was really looking for was a relationship with my maker. Mm. It's only in retrospect as an adult that I've been able to go back to those painful memories and bring the Lord into them and even kind of walk through a painful memory and say to the girl, you know, not directly because I don't know where she is and it wouldn't be appropriate necessarily to look her up, but in my prayer life, you know, yeah. God's outside of time, I can look this girl, this teenage girl in the eyes, and I can say, you know what? What I want to take to you right now, I'm really, we need together to learn how to open this up to the Lord. We need to learn how to pray. Prayer, again, is nothing but becoming a longing for God. I wish I had known that. Mm -hmm. I hope that's helpful to you, Ellie. I hope that's helpful, helpful to our listeners. Yes. I have a question from Dominic. Hi, Dominic. Dominic says, I was raised with a very negative view of Catholics, but your podcast has opened my mind. Can you explain to me, a Protestant, why Catholics place such an emphasis on Mary? Why do you pray to her and not just Jesus? It seems very odd and somewhat pagan. Mm-hmm. Dominic, first of all, I'm so glad you found our podcast. Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but I'm so happy to have you as part of this extended family. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Uh, I'd be happy to, to speak into this. And I have to say, uh, just a month and a half ago, I taught probably my favorite course ever, which was the theology of the body as it relates to Mary. Mm -hmm. And we could put it this way, Dominic, why do we place such an emphasis on Mary? Uh, emphasis 
could be understand understood in different ways. Like, uh, I I know the main concern among Protestants is that we elevate Mary to the divine level, that she's somehow, Catholics think she's the fourth person of the quadrinity or something. <laughs> no, Mary is a creature. She's a creature like you're a creature, Wendy, like I'm a creature, Dominic, like you're a creature. But what privilege Mary has is that her body gave a body to the second person of the Trinity. Mary is the dwelling place of the Lord. And Dominic, your key for understanding the emphasis that Catholics put on Mary is found in the biblical emphasis that the authors of Holy Scripture put on the temple. Mm. Whenever you see, for example, in the Old Testament, one thing I ask, this alone I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to contemplate the beauty of the Lord within his temple, mm -hmm. that's fulfilled in Mary. Mary is the temple. Mm -hmm. She is the dwelling place of the Most High God. Uh, what, what do the Israelites, they go on pilgrimage every year to Jerusalem to enter the temple, the dwelling place of the Lord. There is no encounter with the Lord in the Old Testament without the mystery of the temple, or put it this way, the pinnacle of the encounter with the Lord is in the temple, mm -hmm. in the Holy of Holies. All of that is fulfilled in Mary. Scripture calls us to worship the Lord, but to honor the Lord's temple, right? So we worship the Lord. We do not worship Mary, but we honor the temple in which the Lord came to dwell. He has chosen Zion, it says in the Old Testament, for his dwelling place forever. Zion is fulfilled in Mary. Mary is the dwelling place of the Lord, not just 2,000 years ago in Nazareth for nine months. Mary, this is, a, this is a basic biblical principle. God comes to us through Mary. That's how it happens. The Lord is in his temple worship him, right? Honor the temple, but worship the Lord in the temple. You can't have the Lord without the temple. Mm. You can't have Jesus without Mary. And I, I put it this way, no Mary, no Jesus. And there I mean N-O. Mm. But we can also use K-N-O-W. No Mary, mm -hmm. and you'll know Jesus. So praying to Mary and I understand why this could be confusing. We don't pray to Mary in the same sense that we pray to the Lord, right? Here we mean prayer as a kind of crossing from earth to heaven, to the heavenly realm. And Mary is part of the communion of the saints, mm -hmm. and she has a very special place of honor in the communion of saints because she's the mother of the second person of the Trinity. Yes. And that means she's also our mama. This, this is a biblical truth that is so often kind of casually dismissed by, by Protestants. And I understand, again, the Protestant questions. I understand maybe how there has been uh, an exaggeration of a certain piety among Catholics that don't make the correct distinctions. And I can understand why Protestants looking on that 
can get uncomfortable. So just as Dominic is doing, I encourage Protestants to ask every question they have. Mm -hmm. But don't forget the biblical truth that from the cross, Jesus gave Mary to us as our mother. Mm. I just learned this recently that in English, we have a a mistranslation. Mm. When Jesus looks down and it says he saw his mother, Mm -hmm. the Greek actually says Jesus saw the mother. Which changes things, yeah. right? Jesus looked down and saw the mother, the mother of whom? Paul calls Jesus the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. Well, who are those brothers and sisters? We are. Mm. If Jesus is our brother, who's our mother? Mm-hmm. Mary is our mother, right? From the cross, Jesus says to the beloved disciple, who's the beloved disciple? You are and I am, and everyone who follows Christ is the beloved disciple. And he says, behold the mother, Mm. right? This is your mother. Mm -hmm. He looked down at the mother and said to the beloved disciple, behold your mother, Mm -hmm. right? To to claim that Mary is not our mother as well, tragically decapitates the body of Christ. What do I mean? We are the body of Christ, Christ is the head. We are the body. We are the members of his body. Mary gave birth to the whole Christ, head and body. Mm. (laughs) And when we say she's just the mother of the head, we've decapitated the body. (laughs) So, Dominic, I encourage you, get to know Mary as your spiritual mama. A beautiful way to to get to know Mary is is to look in in the Gospels, in the stories of the Annunciation, of the visitation, of the birth of Jesus, and just to take a lot of time with those scriptures and notice Mary. Notice Mary and learn about her through praying and reading those scriptures. I really encourage you to do that. And and if it's easier than praying to Mary, pray to the Lord and say, Lord, Jesus, show me who Mary is. Mm-hmm. One of his final words from the cross, behold your mother. Uh, He wants us to behold our mother, and he wants us to honor our mother, our spiritual mama. We're called to be regenerated. We're called to be born again. This is how we enter the kingdom. And we're born again through the womb of our mama Mary. Mm. So get to know her, Dominic. She loves you, whether you know it or not. She does. I want to invite all of our listeners out there to consider sharing this episode if it's blessed you then help us to get this message out to other people. Hit that share button. And if you've been blessed by the work of the Theology of the Body Institute, consider becoming a patron. You can learn more by clicking the link in the show notes. Until next time, I hope you have a merry, merry Christmas and know that you are a gift. You are indispensable, irreplaceable, and unrepeatable. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute, with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes. Uh, In English, it says his mother. mother. Uh,